Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank N.A. member FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Joe Biden has uh, made up his mind about this decision, and there's actually an email that has gone out to supporters that said that Joe Biden has selected Kamala Harris as his running mate. There's actually an entire Biden logo. I'm Ashley Ford, and this is The Chronicles of Now where we ask writers to dream up short stories inspired by the news. If elected, she would be the first woman vice president, the first black vice president. She would be the highest ranking Asian American in U.S. history. Now that Joe Biden has officially picked a woman as his running mate, can we talk about his weird, uncomfortable history with women? He was talking to me while he was rubbing my nose with his. Mr. Biden himself said it was never his intention to make anyone uncomfortable. Now, social norms have begun to change, they've shifted, and the boundaries of protecting personal space have been reset. And I get it. I get it. Oh, yes, we're going to go there. With the election looming, it is an uncomfortable subject, but it's there. Joe Biden has been a handsy guy throughout his career. And it's had a chilling effect on some of the women he touched. What just happened? Did that just happen? Did I think what just happened is actually what happened? Laura Vandenberg's new book is a collection of surreal stories about women making their way through dark worlds. It's called I Hold a Wolf by the Ears. She says Biden's transgressions are emblematic of our time. Me Too has changed things a lot. But really, has it? I have been there, you know. I I have absolutely had those sorts of encounters with men and then sort of been through that process of second-guessing and sort of talking myself out of my own understandings and my own perceptions. So I was interested in writing into that psychological territory. In a world gone haywire, sometimes art is the only thing that can make sense of it all. For a long time, only one person on Earth 
her closest friend, knew about the incident. They used to work on the Hill. And what the vice president had done was insidious and hard to name if you weren't familiar with the way some men in politics like to handle women as though they were overgrown babies. No harm in a little tickle, a pinch on the thigh. The incident had occurred at a fundraiser, and when she whispered the details at some desolate after-party bar, her friend had asked if she planned to tell anyone, and she'd said, Of course not. He's the vice president. I'm a nobody. Nothing. So she could not believe it when the former assemblywoman from Nevada came forward many years later and described to news cameras how the vice president had touched her. He had recently announced that he was running for president again, and the assemblywoman believed that people needed to know. In the middle of the press conference, her closest friend called and said, You're still a nobody, a nothing. That woman you see on TV right now, they will ruin her life. Later, as she packed for a three-day conference in San Francisco, she reminded herself that the vice president hadn't raped, hadn't pressed her to a bed and waved his dick in her face. She told herself that he wasn't a dangerous person, just oblivious to realities in which he did not sit at the center. She tried not to think about how such obliviousness was one of the most dangerous ways for a person to be. She fell asleep to the news where the assemblywoman was still talking, asking to be taken seriously, to be believed. In San Francisco, she had no idea that her fate would be altered by airline miles. For had she ended up on a different flight or even in a different row, she would have likely heeded her friend's advice, run her business, gone on with her life. But then at SFO, a gate agent called her up, said she'd landed a complimentary upgrade and printed a new boarding pass for seat 3D. She heard her seatmate before she saw him, his voice like thunder sounding in the wings of a stage. When he appeared in the aisle, he was flushed and booming into a cell phone. White, broad-shouldered, thick waves of sandy hair. He wore a yellow polo and khaki pants and brown leather loafers without socks. He flopped down next to her, knocking her complimentary bottled water to the floor and kept on booming. She opened a travel magazine and shrank down into her seat. In the air, her seatmate's attention turned to the flight attendants. Apparently, he took at least 46 first-class flights a year, and in his opinion, everything about this one was wrong. The hot towel was too cold, the replacement towel too hot. The drink cart lacked some obscure brand of whiskey. Both flight attendants in first class happened to be women. When one of them, a tall brunette in a red neck scarf, apologized about the whiskey for the hundredth time, the man asked for her full name. He said he planned to file a report. He demanded to know if she liked her job, if she thought she deserved to keep it. And then he laughed. <laughs> a seat-shaking, thigh-slapping laugh. Like the whole thing had been an extended practical joke. 
Only then was the flight attendant permitted to walk away. It was the laugh that made her stomach clench. Right when things were getting bad enough that another passenger might feel compelled to intervene or the flight attendant might feel justified in using words like verbal abuse, he'd wielded his laugh like a shield. <laughs> Don't be so sensitive. Take a joke already. Everything is normal here. That was the worst thing about these incidents, she thought as she watched the flight attendant flee. The way they destroyed your confidence in your own perceptions. She glanced around at the other passengers and realized she and the flight attendants were the only women in first class. She wondered if these other men had noticed what she had just now what it would take for one of them to call out their own kind. She finished her magazine. She drank a glass of wine. Her seatmate watched ESPN and drank copious amounts of a less obscure whiskey. She found herself thinking about the warm grip of the vice president's hand on her neck, the way he pulled her in sudden and close, his nose brushing her face. She had been terrified that he was going to kiss her. Somewhere over Nebraska, her seatmate resurrected the whiskey situation. Why don't you have what I want? He roared at the second flight attendant, an older blonde in a black cardigan, who stood rigid by the drink cart. She stretched up in her seat. The other passengers were all reading newspapers or sleeping or otherwise useless. She thought of the assemblywoman speaking on TV. She tapped the man's shoulder, and he paused in his tirade, giving the flight attendant enough cover to hurry the cart down the aisle. You should be ashamed of yourself. She felt lightheaded. Her chest was tight, but she pushed on. You've been acting like a bully this whole flight. He lurched back into his seat and stared at her, panting a little. She felt the heat radiate from his body. His cheeks were swollen, red. His eyes slid around like wet marbles. She imagined he'd probably already sized her up during boarding and determined her to be a nothing. Who do you think you are? He slurred. She told him. That was 3D by Laura Vandenberg. The narrator was Cindy Katz. How are you doing today, Laura? I'm good, Ashley. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I've got to know. You leave us hanging there at the end. What do you think she told him there at the end? Yeah, well, this this story was inspired a bit by interaction that I had with a man on a flight who is like maybe the most appalling human being that I've ever encountered in public or up there. So in my imagination, she said something 
maybe that was kind of close to what I said in life, which is you are being verbally abusive. Your behavior is completely inappropriate. And I see what you're doing and you have to stop. So what did he say back to you? So he said something very close to um, what the man on the plane said in the story, which is, who do you think you are talking to me like that? And then I repeated what I had said the first time. And then he was really angry for a minute and then just kind of passed out and seemed to go to sleep, which everyone was happy about. (laughs) Yes, I like that. I like that you wore him down. (laughs) This story really gets into these situations where women feel uncomfortable. They are insidious situations. And the men in these situations are often oblivious. Mm -hmm. What do you think women lose because of what men won't allow themselves to see or hear? Yeah, it's like, how much how much time do we have? Um, I understand. This is, you know, a really painful line of conversation that's come up in the Me Too dialogues, this idea that because something happened to a woman early in her career, she didn't pursue a particular path or she didn't reach in a particular direction. Um, and I think, like, in some ways, you know, the greatest um, cruelty of the kind of violation that I write about in this particular story is, again, just the way that they can undermine our own perceptions and our own grasp on reality and the way that, you know, our maybe our body is telling us this is what happened and it was wrong. But our brain, for all kinds of reasons, because we don't want to lose opportunity, because we're scared of consequence and repercussion, is trying to talk our body into a different story. And so I think that estrangement from like the bodied reality and the intellectual reality, um, that feeling that maybe we've lost trust in ourselves. I mean, trust in oneself, ability to sort of see a situation, to say, yes, this is what happened. I believe what my body is telling me. I think that that's a a really profound loss that so many women experience. Mm. I mean, I would count myself among them. And I know quite a few women who would stand right alongside me. Yeah, Um, same. This story was inspired by this narrative in the media of Joe Biden and his history of being handsy with women. How do you think the vice president handled those allegations? Were you um, paying attention to that story as it continued? Yeah, I mean, I think his handling of it has been poor, in my opinion. I also want to pause and say I intend to vote for him despite the many things I could say in response to this question. But yeah, I think his handling of it has been poor. I'm not sure that he really understands or has really absorbed the pain that he's caused when there is sort of more of a gesture in the direction of accountability, chalking it up to how norms have changed and times have changed. And he understands he needs to change with those times. It's sort of really taking himself out of the equation. Like at a different time, this would have been fine. But now, we're in this new world and it's not fine anymore. And it's like, no, you don't get it. It was never fine. Um, But the difference is, is that you have women coming forward and saying this was not fine then and is not fine now and will not be fine in the future, the end. Can you think of your ideal way you would have wanted him to respond? 
I think a step in the right direction would have been accountability in the sense that he was wrong to have done these things and that he was wrong to have violated these women in these ways um, without sort of pinning it on changing social norms. But to say something like, it was wrong then, it was wrong now, this is why it was wrong, even if it wasn't particularly sexual, this was an abuse of power. I was in a position of power and I abused that power. As a starting point, I would say a greater degree of self-honesty on Biden's part, I think would have been a step in the right direction. Early on in the story, the narrator doesn't want to call out the vice president. Like, he's the vice president, and she's a nobody, according to her friend. She's on the wrong end of a power dynamic. But at the end of the story, she finds her voice to speak out. What changed her? So, in my understanding, I think that the confrontation on the plane and why that felt to me like an apt container for this story, but because it comes from a headline, we sort of have a sense of what happens next, that, right, she does come forward with her allegations. I think coming into contact with a man who's like, toxic masculinity on steroids, you know, and it's so explicit (laughs) and it's so not ambiguous and it's so clear that someone has got to intervene and, and say something to this person and take like a stand for decency that it, it clarifies her thinking ultimately about whether to come forward or not to confront the vice president in this way. Laura Vandenberg, thank you so much for your story. And thank you so much for coming on the Chronicles of Now podcast. Thank you so much, Ashley. I loved your questions. You can read my full interview with Laura Vandenberg on our website, chronicles.fm, where you can also read the story you just heard and other short fiction torn from today's headlines. Our sound designer and composer is Bart Warshaw. Our producer is Curtis Fox, and our associate producer is Emily Rostin. Tyler Cabot is the executive producer and founder of Chronicles of Now. For Pushkin Industries, our executive producer is Lital Malad. Special thanks to Jacob Weisberg, Carly Migliori, Heather Fain, and Eric Sandler. For the Chronicles of Now podcast, I'm Ashley Ford. Thank you so much for listening. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.